0: Let's go over there, and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility.
1: You know what that means?
0: Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Go! Power time for the big dog sports talk power hour
1: Minutes past the hour here on this Monday. See, feed you a little bit of cranberries there, and you didn't even know you needed it this morning, but you really, really did. 639 4900, text
0: line at 744 2990. Anything that might be on your mind. Tim Thomas, in about 27 minutes or so. The
1: tech lunch fail. Hope everything's doing okay in your world. Here on a Monday, you heard the temperatures. You know when Leo Hirschbrenner doesn't have bad weather news, you know it's going to be a pretty decent day, right? Absolutely. When you've got 50 degrees maybe, and he sounds so depressed because we haven't had one measurable snowfall at all. And here we are in February, what is today? The 6th? I mean, loving it. Absolutely. And I don't feel a bit bad at all for any snow-loving individuals out there. All right, so we've covered the Tech game, the Radford weekend. Highlanders will be on the U again Thursday against Tim Craft, who just won his 100th game at Gardner-Webb. They're playing well. Of course, the Highlanders have won nine in a row. Tied for first with Asheville. Great run by Darius Nichols' team. Tech, I think, is getting ready to start a pretty large run. I really do. Keep Hunter Couture healthy. That's the main thing. They'll get Darius Maddox back sooner than later, one would assume. Miami football. All right. So, I have admitted, of course, you know, I like to tap myself on the shoulder when we get something right, right? I like to remind you when we are right and everyone else is wrong. Well, I have also had to swallow hard many times and say, boy, oh, boy, Rick Watson could not have been more wrong about the resurgence of Miami Hurricanes football in 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, you talk about missing a prediction. Well, yeah. That happened. No, the Canes did not have an ACC winning type of year. As a matter of fact, they had a horrible season and they were kind of a laughingstock at times with their lack of effort and how bad that defense turned out to be. One of the guys, or maybe the main guy, Kevin Steele, you think about the coordinators that they had brought in. Josh Gaddis, who was surprisingly fired About a week and a half ago. And now Kevin Steele, who spent last year as Miami's defensive coordinator, is going to Alabama to be the Crimson Tide's defensive coordinator. It'll be his third different stint at Alabama under Nick Saban. He's got a new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese who came from Notre Dame. And here is Kevin Steele leaving Miami to go back with Nick Saban. Steele was Saban's first defensive coordinator at Alabama back in 2007. Then he was the defensive head coach and uh, inside linebackers coach the next year. Came back in 2013 as director of player personnel. Then he became the defensive coordinator at LSU. Pete Goldling, left to take the Ole Miss defensive coordinator's job. So Nick Saban had to replace him, and he did. So now Miami, who last year hired Josh Gaddis after he was the National Assistant Coach of the Year, won the Broyles Award and still was a Broyles Award finalist in 2017 at Auburn. By the way, Todd Grantham interviewed down in Alabama for that defensive coordinator job. But Todd, in case you don't know, is heading back to the NFL. He's going to be with the Saints organization. Need to try to run him down here, see if we can get Todd back on. Congratulations to Todd Grantham. Been out of the game a couple years. Terrific defensive mind, and I'm glad to see him land on his feet, which I knew that he would. But in any event, Going back to the original point. So Miami had these two wonderful coordinators with these great reputations. Josh Gaddis looked like he was a rising star. Remember his name came up briefly when Virginia Tech's opening happened for the head coaching job. He gets fired, and then they lose (laughs) Kevin Steele back to Alabama. So now Mario Cristobal is going to have totally new coordinators heading into year two in the mess that is Miami. And I think that's the only way to say it. Despite the fact that they are boasting about their NIL money, that they have a booster who says he's going to pay all the players 50 grand, Miami's priorities have not been right really since Jimmy Johnson left. Although, they had a pretty good thing in Larry Coker that wasn't winning enough, apparently. So he was let go. Remember Larry Coker? Great guy. Interviewed him many times. He wasn't good enough, so he was let go. What have they had since then? Since Larry Coker left. We have Jimmy Johnson who went 52 and 9. Dennis Erickson who went to the NFL went 63 and 9. So we'll say okay, 63 and 9 through 94, Miami's reputation is still intact. Butch Davis came in he also took an NFL job, 51 and 20. Okay. All right. Well, Larry Coker went 60 and 15 at Miami. Wasn't good enough. They fired him after the 2006 season. Then they brought in Randy Shannon, who was a legacy as a player there. Finished only six games over 500 28 28-22. Got fired in the 10 end of season, the bowl game. Didn't get to coach the bowl game. Then you bring in Al Golden, former Temple coach, 32-25. He got fired before the end of the season. Larry Scott finished out that year. Then Mark Richt, who looked like on paper like it was a slam dunk, and he wasn't horrible at all. I mean, he was 26-12. How much would Miami take that now in three years? Nope, not good enough. More, I think, of a mutual parting than just a strict firing, but nonetheless. And then Manny Diaz, who was 21 and 15, but he landed on his feet as Penn State's defensive coordinator. And now Mario Cristobal, 5 and 7. So you went from 60 win Larry Coker, <laughs> 60 wins. In a six-year span, he averaged 10 wins a year. 10 wins a year. And since that time, since 2007 to 2022, that's 16 seasons at Miami. All right, well, let's add it up. 91 and 21 is how much? Let's see now. 91 plus 21. That's 112 divided by, so 2007 to 22, that's 16 seasons. 112 divided by 16. So then you go to seven. Larry Coker won 10 games a year. They've averaged seven wins in the 16 seasons after that. Miami football, the mighty hurricane. And now they have let go, well, one coordinator was fired, the other one left, but clearly he sees this as an unstable situation under Mario Cristobal. It's not a talent issue. It's not a recruiting issue. It's not an NIL issue, right? They have all that. Nobody goes to the games. When you're a quarterback, is saying they can't wait to come to Blacksburg because they can't wait to play in front of, quote, real football fans, end quote. I think that says a whole lot about where your program is sitting. He got some backlash from the Miami media. I can't say he got backlash from Miami fans because I'm not sure there are any. (laughs) You watch one of their home games, it doesn't look like it unless they're wearing the opposing team's colors. But one of the biggest just curiosities that I have about college sports is how some of these teams that are loaded with money can't make it back. And you know what it comes back to? It comes back to the thing that Andy Bitter and I disagree about. It comes down to culture. Miami won and won and won. They won national championships. They had... Three of the best coaches college football saw from 1979 to the mid-90s in Howard Schnellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, and Dennis Erickson. They had Butch Davis, who went to the NFL. Oh, here's Larry Coker. He's kind of an unassuming guy, 60 and 15. Nah. Nah. We don't want that. So what else is it? It's culture. Right? Andy thinks that winning brings culture. Well, Miami has won plenty. The culture changed them from a winning program to a losing program. Texas, richest athletic program in the country, bar none. Bar none. Money. Falling out of people's socks as they walk down the athletic administration hallways. (laughs) The janitorial staff, they get the brooms up. They just sweep it down this big old vat. Here's the money that was collected today that fell out of socks. How much was it? I don't know. Just about 11 mil. Ah, Pretty slow Tuesday. They can't find it. They can't find the culture again. Right? They won. They won plenty. Where's the culture at Texas? Jim Harbaugh had to restore the culture at Michigan. He has said that exact thing. Michigan lost their way. They couldn't win anything. They have everything they need. Didn't have the culture. Harbaugh's gotten it back. That's why he's staying there. That's why he didn't go to the Broncos or any other NFL job back-to-back year. He thinks he's got it turned around. He's about to sign a mega deal, Michigan. Good for him. Good for them. But what happens to these programs? Nebraska. Nobody won more than Nebraska under Tom Osborne. They were a juggernaut. Nebraska football represented everything that was about winning and toughness. And boy, you don't want to play them. What happened? The coaches that have followed lost the culture. The culture of the program went away because the personalities didn't fit the place. It's not because winning wasn't there, winning was there. Winning doesn't just transfer over into the culture. It just went away. It just went away. Miami is a big shrug. You can look at everything surrounding it, and the only thing you can say is that the culture around it, maybe it's the area, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact they don't have a home stadium. I don't think that fixes it alone. But whatever it is, when you're losing two coaches like Josh Gaddis, and Kevin Steele within a week and a half of one another, there's, there's something going on down in Coral Gables, right? There's something we don't know about. Something's not right down there in Miami. Can't be. Florida State, right? Same thing. They finally maybe, maybe Mike Norvell is starting to – they're going to be favored this year in the conference. Are they back? Look how long it's taken them to get back culture. I believe Florida State won a lot under that, what was that guy's name, Bobby Bowden? Yeah. Any event, we'll be back. Stay with us more on a Monday.
0: They're talking Highlanders. They're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further. You found it. Don't you know More talking about more BDST next on the, you know on the WRAD Talk Network. This is Coach Bobby Bowden telling you to be sure to listen to Big Dog Sports Talk with that sorry rascal Rick Watson.
1: Yeah, that guy. He was he was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bobby Bowden. That's his name. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. That guy. 304 wins. That's, you know. 744-2990. Tim Thomas joins us. Um, About seven minutes. We're going to talk some uh, hoops. We're going to talk some uh, recruiting for Virginia Tech. Tech ladies tonight at 6. It's on ESPN2. Big one against North Carolina State. Louise Baker will be in the studio on Wednesday. She's going to be giving away tickets for the final two home women's games coming up. That'll be uh, during the Roth report on Wednesday. Jimbo Fisher, to his credit, did a nice job at Florida State as well. Got a got a natty, won 83 games, went five and two in bowl games, but they haven't been able to find it under Willie Taggart until maybe last year under Mike Norvell. Even though they showed signs of improvement, he's just um, a couple games over 500 overall, but maybe the big year for them to – Launch their revival will be in 2023. That's what a lot of people are saying is going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. But you tell me. I mean, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I'm just looking at all the facts, and you have to break it down. And when you have all the money that you need at all those places, is Matt Rule going to do it at Nebraska in the Big Ten? I mean, UCLA is another one. Terry Donahue wasn't good enough. They haven't been able to find anybody. Jim Mora had him actually heading in the right direction. But that didn't work. Now you bring in Chip Kelly, he's been an absolute disaster. Terrible culture out there anyway. And I'm not sure the situation USC is going to manifest itself the way they think either under Lincoln Riley. We'll see. We'll see. It's an interesting debate, though. It really is. And now that we're headed into the expanded playoff, Notre Dame's had its problems as well, right? being a consistent contender good conversation though it's fun to sit back and just look at all these no easy answers right if there were easy answers then the next coach they would hire would immediately make that program prominent again but that's not the way it works we'll be back tim thomas next
0: next can
1: do know that when i won't 25 minutes before the top of the hour that's all we're trying to do is just working for a living text message lines open seven four four twenty nine ninety. joining us on the program now he's the founder and editor of the tech lunch bell his name is tim thomas tim how are you good morning
0: morning rick i am doing great i Great.
1: I hope you are as well. I am, man. We got, you know, it might be a little colder, sunny skies, no nasty stuff falling from the skies in February. I'm happy. Very happy as an answer. Anti- oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100% agree
0: with that. All
1: right, well, let's get into it. Tech with a huge win on the hardwood. Men uh, come away with the win over Virginia. They were actually favored slightly in that game. And I think we're seeing, Tim, you and I discussed it. I mean, they had the seven-game losing streak. I know they had Hunter back for a couple of those games. But the bottom line is this. He's the X-factor on this team, right? I mean, when he's out there and he's yeah. doing things on each end of the floor, Hunter Couture is what makes this team tick.
0: Yeah, I mean, teams have to defend for what Hunter Couture brings, and it just changed the dynamic of how you have to approach it. It changes the dynamic of what Tech has option-wise in terms of the plays that Mike Young has and having a more expanded playbook. And so, you know, I think we're seeing that. We're also seeing Sean, part of it is Sean Padula. Is finding his form again. I think we've talked about this before, but during that stretch without Couture, Badula was, and I, my rider, Will Oslin, did a great job. He's got a great look at how Badula um, played, and lots played huge roles in the obvious world but how they did it on Saturday over at com. But Sean Badula was in a rut, and he was trying, I think, to do too much. Um, he was trying to beat Hunter Couture and Sean Badula. And now he's being just Sean Padula. And you see him, you know, obviously, look, sometimes he may not like every shot he takes. A couple are like, okay, come on. But that's part of Sean Padula's game. You, can, you live with it because of everything else he brings to the table, the, the, the slashing, the three, the pretty good three-point shooting he does have, um, you know, the back downs and all of that, the physicalities, what we bring to the table. Um, and he's just, like I said, he's playing a game that looks like Sean Padula basketball, and not trying to do too much. Not try, trying to do things that other guys do. Um, and that's huge. Um, there's no other way of playing. it. That's huge. I think that's a big reason why we're seeing Tech improve. And look, they went 3-3 three and three in this, these past six games. We tore back. And their three losses are to the three teams on the, on the road to the three teams that were ranked in the ACC. Now, obviously, Clemson is going to crash out of those rankings this week. They've had a little bit of a rut here recently. But This SEC team is playing much more like the team that was in the top 25 prior to the Couture entry. They look a whole like, they look like that team right now, in all honesty. Um, And man, does this closing stretch set up for them to potentially go on a big run here.
1: Agreed 100%, and I talked about it in the first hour as uh, Tim Thomas is joining us from the Tech Lunch Pail. Tim, I, I can see a lot of success ahead. I mean, and to be honest with you, I mean, I was breaking it down. Maybe you can say Miami because they did score 83 and they still lost, but they've beaten Duke. They've beaten UVA. I know UVA beat them once. They've beaten Carolina. They haven't played Pitt. I mean, they had a one-point uh, one game at Clemson last time out as Hunter was just getting back into it. I mean... There aren't really teams you can say are that much better than Tech. When they're clicking on all cylinders, just as capable as anybody is going on a run like this.
0: Yeah, we win Tech's healthy. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You have a healthy Hunter Couture. They probably – if Hunter Couture is able to be in that game to close out that game against Boston College, I think they probably win that one. They probably win, you know, in those first four games – in that middle, the four games he was fully out of. Uh, they probably win a couple of those if you have Hunter Couture at least. And so it's a completely different team. We might be talking about a team that's, you know, pushing for the top 25. Yeah, soon. yeah. If they went a few, if you string a few games together, we're definitely not talking about a bubble team right now. A team that's just climbing their way back into the real thick of the bubble conversation. Um, yeah, and you look at the schedule ahead. You got Boston College at Georgia Tech at Notre Dame in your next three games. All are minefields. All are must wins. All are games you absolutely should easily win, but they're all minefields. Um, you can blow things up very quickly. But there's a reason why that, like I so said, they're minefields because those are games that are very winnable. Should easily be um, on the at the end of the season. You got at Louisville and Florida State. Also very winnable games. Those are five games right there. You absolutely should win. And you have three, only three really good teams that you play. I mean, you know, going into the season, you would have thought that the second half of the schedule was way weaker than the first half, but that's how this is exactly played out. And, the only, and two of those three tougher games, in terms of the quality of the opponent, are games against Miami and Pittsburgh at home which we've seen what this team can do with Hunter Couture healthy at home. Mm. They have a loss with a healthy Hunter Couture at home. And you, you have this environment and everything else that causes nightmares. You get some help. I mean, it's easy to envision this team going 7-1 to one with the loss being at Duke. Easy to envision it. Um, easy to envision it. So, the, the, the opportunity... That, door of opportunity is now wide open for them to go on a run and start to stack up just the wins because they have quality victories. They have five of them, right? Q1, Q2. The day one just slid out uh, yesterday, but they got five of them with chances with Miami and Pitt, and that too to get the seven or eight. I I think they can get two, Miami and Pitt. Uh, <laughs> I'm not betting on Tech Wayne and Cameron Indoor, but that combination right there is a good one, and they could really go on a run and we might be talking about a team that's just fine when all is said and done.
1: Tim Thomas joins us on the program. He is the founder and editor of the Tech Lunch Pail. They'll keep you updated all season, what's going on with both the men and the women. And speaking of the ladies, Tim, they have a big one later on this evening, 6 o'clock on the road in Raleigh. A couple ranked teams, ACC going to be uh, nationally televised. The Hokies go on the road where they're well-equipped to win against the uh, Maybe the most consistent team year in and year out in terms of just being that top-20 caliber squad out of the ACC, the Wolfpack.
0: Yeah, this should be a great game. And, I mean, this stretch coming up here is a huge opportunity. Starting tonight, five straight games against ranked opponents. You've got three home games after this with Duke, Florida State, and NC State, which will be, I think, another big Monday game. Fascinatingly enough how those two games end up both on Mondays. Um I think. I'm not. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. And then at North Carolina um, at the end of it. And so, I mean, this is a huge stretch for Tech. If they can get, like, to take care of business at home, pick up one on the road. I mean, look, there's a lot of talk there around that 4 5 seed right now in terms of NCAA tournament. They could be in the 2 3 seed conversation when all is said and done. Um, huge opportunity. What's part of the question right now is can Tech get Ashley and Wusu going? Uh, coming off injury. You know, it's been, it's been through a lot injury wise There was a, um, and it, it seems like it may have been recent last golf season for her. Uh, I mean, within the past couple of years, at least, it had some blood transfusions. Uh, for the uh, university did a, a great little video on that. But, yeah, I mean, they if they get a Wusu back in rhythm and playing like Ashley a Wusu, former All-American, that's Still has. Uh, it will be to see if they get it going. Regardless, this is a very important structure where they can boost their NCAA tournament seeding and put themselves in a much better position to guarantee that they will be hosting NCA tournament games uh, here in here in a little over a month.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's a reminder, isn't it, how this whole thing is a marathon. You don't want to get caught up too much in the highs and the lows, right? I mean it's just February is so important to direct you in that right realm right I mean it's just it's really cool to see both of these teams pulling out of it and we'll be interested to see how it goes um you know tonight on the road for them but a couple chances for them against NC State and like you said I mean we talk about Texas on the men's side the route that they have the ladies I mean you talk about kind of a murderer's row in the conference with the Wolfpack then Florida State Duke NC State again Carolina I mean it's uh you're going to find out, like you said, a whole lot about this team as they prepare for the ACC tournament.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, there are six teams ranked at Notre Dame. There's, that's number six in terms of ranked teams right now in the ACC. Uh, the, the conference is going to get eight or nine teams in. It probably should get 10 with the quality of the league. I mean, this isn't like on the Mets side, the Big Ten, where there's a couple teams ranked that they might get eight or nine in just because, you know, the metrics love the Big Ten or something. Um ACC is legitimately really strong. It's the best league in women's basketball right now, by far. I don't know if there's a close second, per se. Given how many ranked teams this league has, how many just good teams, I mean, Louisville is one of those six right now, and that's a program a program we went to the Final Four last year, and so what Tech has done um, is it's just it's just extremely impressive what this Tech team is still is doing in this conference. Um, there's no alt night. There's no game where you can look at like, okay, like we're gonna be able to coast and cruise. You just can't. You look at Louisville. Look at Syracuse, UBA. Uh, look at how much they've struggled. That's a pretty decent outfit in their first year under their new head coach up there. Um, Miami. I mean, I mean, there's just so many good teams in this league, and it, it's great. I will say this. You know, I think we're used to women's basketball being a sport largely that at the top. As a few teams you already know, you can basically almost feel like you can predict most of the Final Four. I don't think, and it's great right for the sport. You, this year, especially, it's one of the most parity-filled years, I think, in, the, in college in college women's basketball in a long time. Outside of South Carolina, I mean, it's wide open, and they're going to be. It's just about every team's going to be praying that they uh, don't have to deal with Gamecocks come March Madness. But for Tech, I mean. They find their form. This team can win the ACC tournament and really pump their seat up as well.
1: Well, Tim, before we let you go, what kind of recruiting tid- tidbits do you have for us? Anything you're hearing either football or basketball-wise for the Hokies?
0: We'll, we'll have a little piece later this afternoon or tomorrow, but uh wide receiver comes from on Instagram last night. His top four, the big time seven-five-seven wide receiver. Tech made the cut along with Penn State, Pitt, West Virginia, and with the way his recruitment's play out, I mean, he visited Tech-Penn State in Miami in January. This seems very much like it's going to be a Tech-Penn State showdown. It's going to be a fascinating recruiting battle this year. You know, Tech's got to start winning some of these big-boy battles against Penn State and company for top ten guys. This would be a huge one for Fontel Mines for going down the 757 and getting Martin to be the best player in the Commonwealth. They're right there in it. Um, they got a great chance here. They've they just got to close it out against Penn State, who, look, when they hired Marquise Higgins away from UBA, that gives them even more ties in this Commonwealth. And so, and it's, it's going to be a fascinating one. Pride versus Franklin. Mines versus Higgins. And, of course, there are plenty of other battles here to see Tech to Penn State for, but that, that's one I think you're going to be very interesting to see how that one plays out. The big one, if Tech can land them, that would be a big statement that Brett Fry is, you know, he has just gained the foundational guys, but
1: he's getting the stars in Virginia again to come to Virginia Tech. Well, it just keeps on keeping on. And you know, the staff, they don't have a lot of nights where they're saying, hey, we're, we're good to go, right? They're always looking to tweak that roster and improve. And I got a feeling we're going to find out a whole lot more as we come out of the spring, too, all across the country, right? There's going to be more opportunities uh, for guys maybe even hitting the portal. Who knows?
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to have to happen. The numbers, the numbers will work themselves out, and with where the numbers are at, there's going to be several guys you're going to see leaving and maybe enough to bring in a couple more guys. I would, with the way prize is going to be talking and looking at the roster, wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple more additions from the portal uh, in the spring window. And maybe ten maybe head even um, heading out the door after the spring. So there's going to be a lot of churn coming. I mean, look, it's... There's a lot of roster flipping that still needs to happen. It's going to be. It's just going to take time um, for them to get this roster to where they want to be or need to be. Um, it's like I said, uh, it's Florida State, and I think Tech fans need to be careful um, with what their expectations are next year. This team may get a lot better, but also this team also has a much tougher schedule in some ways next year, facing most of the Atlantic and so. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to see more roster churn coming.
1: It's all part of the process. Well, all right, brother. Listen, uh, have a great week. We look forward to your coverage all week, and uh, we'll talk again next Monday.
0: Appreciate it, Rick.
1: Appreciate you. There you go. That's Tim Thomas from the uh, Tech Lunch Pail. They do a great job. All the recruiting things you need to know and keeping you updated on what's going on with basketball, both on the men's and women's side, wrestling, you name it. Uh, they have it for you there at the uh, Lunch Pail. Good commentary is uh, – We're getting down the stretch now where it becomes more important and your identity is revealed in college hoops. We're seeing it here locally with uh, both Tech and those Radford University Highlanders, winners of nine consecutive games. We are back to uh, wrap up the Monday edition of the program when we return. Sun's out now, blue sky overhead, love it. Absolutely, it's what it's all about. We'll be back to put a bow on another edition of BDST after this.
0: Miss something? Oh, you missed that? Well, here it is. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anytime. Yeah, we missed you so much. Available wherever you get your podcasts. BDST will return in a moment on WRAD. They call you Lady Luck But there is room for doubt At times you have A very unladylike way of running out
1: You're on this date with me The pickings have been lush just about done here on a Monday. And yet before Old blue eyes, uh, a good one to finish over. on. Uh?
0: You might give me the brush.
1: want to thank uh, Marva. She was on the road, still joined us today. Jim to Thomas. Stay. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to have a full day. We got uh, Mike Burnup. We'll continue to celebrate year 40 for him in the booth. Jermaine Farrell and David Smith, our. NFL correspondent's going to be in studio the entire third hour tomorrow. Of course, we'll have a Super Bowl preview, review some of these coaching hires. Aaron Rodgers dropped a couple bombs that he might be heading to Vegas. I'm going to go through all this drama again. Be reunited with Devontae Adams. We'll see. We'll see. Tech ladies an opportunity later on today, 6 o'clock, on the road in Raleigh, see how they do. They get a chance uh, to play one another again here in a couple weeks. So, And don't forget that those last two home games, Louise Baker is going to be in studio Wednesday with Bill Roth, and we're going to give away more tickets for that uh, scenario during the Roth report. That's coming up on Wednesday. Good stuff today. As always, great to hear from everybody on the uh, text line. Got in here and uh, did the program, kind of got me in a better vibe. Still kind of down about the whole uh, just tragic, horrible news about uh, Cam Jones um, losing his life on Saturday. So it was really – it was a, kind of a difficult weekend to manifest itself through that. That was a really, really good kid in so many, so many ways that went beyond um, just what he could do on the basketball court. Um, talked to Mike Jones last night. He called me and uh, we talked about that and life and, you know, thinking about how that affects him, somebody that he knew and recruited to Radford. It was a very eye-opening conversation I had with Mike. i tell you what, there are a few people that have influenced my life that have meant more to my life than Mike Jones. Um, he is a wonderful man, one hell of a basketball coach, but I really value that relationship as much as anybody that I've ever met throughout this uh, wonderful run I've had doing this for a living. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow on the Tuesday edition. Take care.
0: Center for.
1: I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.